Peace and blessings, good people, and welcome to Father Share the Podcast on Fatherhood in 20. Today, I am your host, Fleming. And I'm Miss Vaughn. And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Jason Wallace, host of Lyrics and Lattes, where they use lyrics to inspire. Jason, welcome to hey, 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 hey. We're gonna get that. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're gonna get that time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. I really appreciate y'all. Took y'all a while in took, took y'all a while to invite me, but it's cool. It's it's all love. I you know I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Yo, yo Miss Yo Siobhan, you been you was giving me a you giving me a hard time. We're not gonna talk about hard times, how it took somebody 14 weeks to return my uh emails. Who, who was that? Mm. Who are you? Ow. <laughs> oh, I can explain I'm that. Like... I can explain. Okay, go. Oh, right, here we go. Here we go. Here it comes. Here it comes. Come on. It I had be- a I had a baby. Oh. My wife had a baby, but it was oh. yeah. I had one too. Okay. So, so I was on paternity leave <laughs> during that fourteen weeks, not checking my phone. So when I got off paternity leave, I saw the message and responded. That's what happened. Okay. Well, yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. She's seven months now. Okay. Now, I can't even say nothing. Oh. Nope, 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 nope. It's okay. He deflated your whole balloon. Right, he deflated <laughs> everything. My whole argument is yep. gone out the window. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the baby. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Now, this, is number, this is number two, right? Two. two? Number two, okay. number two. Okay. And so, boy, girl, two boys. Yeah, so I got uh my oldest, Jackson, just turned four last week. Okay. Uh, and then Ava is seven months. Nice. So yeah, congratulations. Yeah, so boy, boy and a girl. Good. So with your two babies, so you had your baby during quarantine. Yeah. And then you have a four-year-old mm-hmm. during the whole world shutdown. What was that like? Because at first you guys had a, a somewhat of a routine, and I'm sure he was used to that. Then that changed. Yeah. And then you had a new baby. How's life with two kids in a pandemic? Well, let me start off with just saying, like, it's it was not easy at all. In addition to my role at Lyrics and Lattes, where we use hip hop to inspire Lyrics and Lattes podcast. I also serve uh, in the mayor's office, right? Mayor for. Oh, Washington, D.C., Mayor Bowser. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Black Lives Matter, all that. Right. Uh, I was also appointed to the reopen uh, committee, meaning that, like, I was in charge of how we reopen the city around open spaces uh, and recreation. So the hard part was, like, while you still have family issues, the government has to run. Right. The government has to be operational. So being able to operate at a higher level while having kids at home. Well, at this time, it was one kid and a pregnant wife. Fast forward, uh, because of COVID, my wife and I decided to have a home birth. Yeah. In the house, just with like on the bed. 
Yeah, and then with a very and my my and my toddler uh, Jackson, he's very energetic. He's very, you know, he wants to play, he wants to run, he wants to jump, uh, and it's it was you know so it's he doesn't he didn't quite understand not being able to play with his friends and go to school anymore and have mm-hmm. to do this virtual learning and wearing masks. So and you couldn't quite explain it outside of just germs, right? Uh, I'm cautious of how he's going to be after this, right? Because mm-hmm. he's so used to wearing masks, he's so used to washing his hands, he's so used to like not touching things that. Will he understand that it's okay to go back to that life that we were that we had before prior to COVID? That's something that I think about a lot. But it's been challenging. It's been challenging to be in Washington D.C. I'm from California originally, so without having the family and now two kids, it, it's been a little bit challenging. But one thing it has done is that my wife and I have gotten a lot stronger. Uh, we have been able to see the team working each other when one of them, when one of us is off, the other one is on being able to like discipline different, being able to, you know, cause it, it's from a level of understanding now because some of the, the acting out might be regression from, you know, not being able to, you know, go out or do certain things, go to the playground uh, right. and use some of this energy. Uh, so it, it's, so we've gotten a lot stronger and, you know, I, I try to look at the positive side of everything that had I, been at work this whole time, had we had the baby at a hospital, had we done all these things, I wouldn't have had this much time to spend with my baby girl and being able to see her every single day and wake up and she's there and go to sleep and she's there and not, I'm not missing anything. And that's something that I was able to experience with Jackson because I was in the Obama administration uh, right before he was born. And then when Obama left, you know, uh, Jackson was born and I got some time to just hang out with him and just be a dad prior to going back to the workspace. So, yeah, I work with a lot of politicians. So I'm sorry. Sometimes if I don't answer your question, I might just, you know, I get I'm used to it. Just kind of going in a circle here. But (laughs) You got it. You got it. (laughs) You got it. Okay. So now with so now with that and being working, you know, underneath the Obama administration, like was there ever a thought that you had that frightened you in becoming a dad? Hmm. Um, I wouldn't say while working. No, no, actually, I will say one thing. One thing is that, like, I did an interview once uh, and then a reporter told me she she pretty much asked me. She was like, hey, because you worked in the because you work in the Obama administration. And just for context, I actually traveled with the person with the president and first lady okay. like around the world. Nice. So like she was like, because you're so close to them and, you know, your experience as a black man may not be the same as another person's experience who may not have that same level of same level of, you know, connections or ability. And then I shared that, you know, I shared a story that I probably shouldn't have shared, but we're gone now. We're not there, but I shared that I was, actually detained by police officers while I was on a first lady trip that I was running. Like I was in charge and they didn't believe that I was white house staff and they put me in the backseat of a police car. Like, and it's like, and to answer your question around like fearful, it's about, it's, I, I, I think about no matter where you fall on the social economical, social economics, you know, uh, uh, place, like it doesn't matter. Your skin color is a weapon. Yeah. And I'm in a suit and tie, you know, working directly for the president and first lady. And I am still a threat to secret service agents, a bunch of them. It, it reminded me that no matter where my son goes, which is who, who's in the 90th percentile when it comes to like his, his size, he's big um, for his for his age. Um, no matter where you go, no matter you know, what you do in life, no matter how you achieve, how many accolades and degrees and awards you got you're still black 
And because I'm on lyrics and lattes, and what we do is we we like we add lyrics to everything that we say. Right. And Kanye West got a line where he says, "Just because you in the bins, uh, even if you in the bins, you still look in the still coop. Nigga in the coop. Right. Yep. Still nigga in the like, coop. Yep. No. All day. There you are. And it's like. It, at the end of the day, no matter how, no matter what bins you win, you, that's what they see you as. Right. So being able to operate that way. So when it comes to me, like go stepping into fatherhood, that was something that I thought about. Similar, similar vein. I have a 15 year old now. So, um, and we just had that conversation after watching, um, American skin, you know, we've had conversations mm. prior to that, but after watching American skin, it definitely, you know, the movie helped to sort of, I kind of, feel like it really helped to get him to understand more clearly exactly how it is that as parents that we feel the minute you yeah. walk out that door mm-hmm. and and for to what have taken place to even happen while I was directly in front of me makes it even worse. So, yeah, so I, I, I definitely um, feel you on that one. The now you work in a in a very I think what 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 got my attention more so than anything which I did not know about was you know the program that that, that takes place in DC. What's been your biggest takeaway from from being involved in, in in that program as a dad? Like, is there anything that you learned from the other fathers within that program or surrounding? Yeah. Yeah, what you're referring to is like the mayor's office on fathers, men and boys, correct? Correct. Yeah. 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 So in there, uh, we do a lot of programming on fatherhood, but it's it's it's, it's more about males in the district as a as an office on with with women's policy and initiatives. Mm-hmm. So we cover, you know, boys like, you know, the MBK stuff all the way up to, you know, uh, seniors, but it's, it's okay. males. Majority of our work is focused on black and brown males. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the thing that I've learned the most is that there's a lot of exclusion, right? There's a lot of, ex- there's people talk about moms, women, single moms, kids. But yeah. if you want to talk about healthy families, right. like you can't have healthy families without healthy dads. And there's so much resources going in to make sure moms get what they need and they get the support and da da da. But right. if they're going home to a broken man, like, Right. You're not going to nothing's going to come from that. Right. That's not going to matter. And it's like you can't plant seeds in that kind of soil. So convincing people that dads also matter and the dad's well-being. And I'm not a fan of the happy wife, happy life. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of it. (laughs) I think it rhymes. I think it rhymes. And it's like a nice little thing to say, but it's like it 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 sucks. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. It's not. You have to have happy families. So I think that's the thing. It's like we did the we did a campaign called Flip the Script. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure you're familiar with it, but it was it was a campaign around the specifically around the data that shows that the media portrays black males. Uh, as not being fathers to their children mm-hmm. uh, consistently across the board. It also portrays uh, Hispanic immigrants as being criminals or thugs or gangsters 50% of the time. Right. And the way this works is like the way it, it, it works the same way as marketing, right? If you see the same image over and over again, you start to believe it, right. especially if you don't have these things around you. There's right. a CDC report that showed that, that wasn't even, it was nowhere, nowhere near true, but if like, and if it's just, you know, one person that may believe that it may not be a, you know, a big, a big deal, but these things have like, 
It's a constant story. It's a constant constant thing too. And it has real life consequences to it. Like if you look at the data of, um, if you look at the data of police officers, let's go start with police officers and how they treat black males versus white males for the same thing. Look at the data for judges and how much time they give a black male versus how much time they give a white male for the same thing. Or when it comes to custody issues, I mean, talking, we're talking about teachers here, teachers, uh, black boys are suspended at a higher rate than white boys as young as kindergarten. Like what is a kindergarten they're doing? Right. A A kindergarten are doing So like, the work that we do is around that, right? Like it's around like, there's a lot of non-custodial parents, which are typically men. And you hear about, oh, you know, this man's not a, a father to his kids, but it's like, I've seen men in court by themselves reading these documents, trying the best of their can so they can just be an active parent. They just want to see their kids. They just want to be there. And and COVID has taken it to another level to where, you know, the courts aren't, weren't open immediately and it, it was hard to, come, to get for them to get visitation rights. But like, mm-hmm. so the work that I'm doing is that you see a lot of work around, like with all of the privilege that men have mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, men need this, right? Because we have a women's office here. There's an LGBTQ office there. Mm-hmm. There's a, you know, a Latino office in a, in a, in, you know, in a religious office affairs and all these people that are, all these these different folks, different agencies that serve constituents that that are typically seen as like these are the folks we need to put our energy and our time and our money and our resources into. Mm-hmm. For me to walk into the room and be like, hey, well, men need this. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but, but it's not though. And it's because not because broken not. men yes. don't build don't build like you, don't build houses like they don't right. build you positive you like can't have build a house if, you, if you broke and you if don't you know if you, if you don't know how to like you can have all the intent in the world but if you don't know how what do you want right like teach me right help yeah. right. me make that make the uh field even that's all i'm asking is just making an even field so I can at least try, don't give me a ditch and then give them a hill and wonder why I'm not on the hill. I'm in the ditch. Exactly. Right. I ain't got nothing. Yeah. Right. And that's the work that we do. And it's like a lot of these, and a lot of these men are boys. Like, because it's like I see a lot of 15-year-old, 16-year-old dads that are like or people that are boys that are 14 that may not have dads in their household that mm-hmm. have assumed the role as the man right. it's like no you're a you're a child you're yeah, a boy oh my but God. they're they're but they're operating Ooh. they're operating like men just right. because you get older they don't mean that you get more mature you just get older like I, I see a lot of grown ball, two balls and uh and a penis don't make don't make you no man that Oh, this, it's this, a lot more than what, that. What, what kind of show is this? It's a lot more. Told you. No, like, but like, there's another thing. I want to give you the PC version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's right. another thing of like, we get men to like, like on the safe passage, passage stuff, right? Because there's a lot of grown men, fifty-year-old men standing on a corner, like harassing little girls, like 13, 12 year old girls coming home from school. So getting men there to protect those little girls mm-hmm. as they're walking home from school is right. like, it's so important because they might not be afraid of the police. They might not be afraid of, cause that's not illegal. You can't, right. you could just say what you want to say, but yeah. you get the right person on the corner. You ain't going to say what you're going to say. True. So it's like, I just see a lot of broken men that, and that 50 year old man could have been healed when he was 20 right. and uh, that healing could, 
can, can change a generation of people that come after him. Yeah. So that's that's the work that we do. Um, we're talking I, about families here. You know, and I, I I applaud you on that. And and there are several things that I heard you say. One, and and I I know Vaughn definitely looked up because I had to go through a custody case. Um, so I got labeled with the non-custodial and just like that phrase of happy wife, happy life irks you like non-custodial irks my soul. Because in that moment, yeah. what you were definitely saying is that I am less than as far as the, as yeah. the, the, the parent. So from that standpoint, and, and hence the reason why it is that we have these kind of conversations. And again, why I'm so thankful that you came on, because now we get to have this, this kind of conversation. Um, you know, it is definitely one, one of where everything that you said is so true. So we need that on a billboard. We need a full-fledged marketing campaign across the country. You know, <laughs> um, when, that, when we get to that point, let me know. Like I'm, I am definitely fully on board for all of that um, because it is, it is lopsided. You know, it's definitely lopsided. And we were having a conversation on a Clubhouse um, not not too long ago, and we were talking about that aspect and how most men literally we, we don't think to well for one is not really a thing of because we were talking about child support right and so we were yeah, talking yeah. about the fact of like you know would would men go and ask for for child support and honestly i think because the way we are geared and set up it's like realistically nah we wouldn't the way in which it is that we perceive it or how it is that we think we're going to get looked at, even if we do. But again, as to, to your point, as far as having those avenues of places to be able to regularly get help, the help that's needed, because a lot of it's unknown. I know for me, when I was going through my custody case, it was definitely, I mean, I had a lawyer, but there were definitely questions that I still asked. And so thankfully, because of her, I was able to ask those questions. But even in my own research, it was like, okay, now I got to go in. I'm, I'm, I'm on Google, like real hard trying to find this information. Um, so when I saw, saw saw this, I was like, wow, like this is definitely, um, yeah, ground groundbreaking. We need more of it. So, yeah. Kudos to you. And Thank taking you. that charge, because my goodness, everybody tried to say like, oh, they're not doing anything. Be like, yeah, they are. They're, they want to be active. It's just, again, as you were saying, I'm missing the resource in order to become that. Exactly. So, ooh. And the legislation around it and the policy work around it, right? Because, I mean, all if all these services is for, and I'm, I'm big on like, uh, one thing I'm working on is like these services are always for single moms, right? That means that there's an incentive for that. Like if it's, if these services are not for fathers to be there, I don't want to get into it, but it's just, it's just no, like, no, no, you no, have to be, I, I you have to be. We definitely agree with that. Like, because if you say the single, then you're basically saying that he can't have anything to do with it. Exactly. To get this particular. So you, you are basically fighting him so that he can't be active in the child's life. But half of the time, the services that you need, he can provide it for you. You just don't want it from him. You want it from somebody. You, I'm sorry. You want it from the government, and you want it from him. <laughs> exactly. So I met. I met a of how he gives it to you. Like now, sis, you you can't have it both ways. I met a woman once. Uh, we had a conversation, and she talked about you know housing, and how um, that every single day it was a game of trying to hide their father. And because they didn't make enough money or they made like, you know, how you like in that gap where you, you make a little bit 
more money to 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 not qualify for the program, but not enough to like actually live your life. Mm-hmm. And she said that. Uh, so her mom put down that she was a single mother to get the to get the unit to stay in. So in the proximity to where they lived to the management office, they had to hide their father every single day when he came in and when he came out. It was always looking to see who was there because if they knew that her father was in the household, they wouldn't be able to live there. And so she was just talking about how that like the trauma that was of not being able to like openly publicly have a father even though she had a loving father because she was afraid of somebody finding out and them getting put out so it's just i can't imagine growing up like that yeah that's you know that that also had to do with that whole living wage thing because Mm -hmm. you can't get a living like i can't support my family if i don't have a living wage and if i'm working five or six jobs and i still can't support my family. I still can't find a place to live. That's something wrong with that system. That's not me because it's not like I'm not working. I am. But I still do not have enough in order to do rent take, and take care of my family. Like, something's wrong with that. Yeah. And the fact that you have millionaires telling us, like, oh, you just need to work harder. Screw you. I do work hard. You need to work hard. How about that? <laughs> How about you pull up saving money in your account? Hurry. Right. Pull up saving money in your account. Um. Okay, Clement, go ahead, because I need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very expressive. Very expressive, I see. Very yeah. expressive. Nothing wrong with being expressive. I mean, of course, we live in this day and age where I think people feel very comfortable in saying what it is that's on their mind. And at the same time, like, you know, we still have to be cognizant of certain areas where it's like okay you can't necessarily do that or say that you know which i i get that i mean no it isn't what i learned i learned that like i think it was my father told me this is like like if you look if you look at the data and like that like if you were to ask people what they wanted as a superpower the mm-hmm. number one thing you're going to get is being able to read minds, right? After that, it's like flying and strength and all that kind yep. of stuff. But yep. reading minds is the number one superpower that people actually want. When you use your, your facial expressions, you're actually giving that person a, a superpower, being able to read your thoughts without you telling them. That's why I'm, I'm always so like, I'm super poker face. I'll be in a room with a room full of Trump supporters. They would never know. I would just sit there. They would, they would never know. They would never know how I really felt. Uh, but that's one of the reasons why, like, I'm really like, I try, I try to stay together. Yeah, I've been. I used to work for Republicans. You know, I used to work for a lot of them. You know, I used to work for the. I told you that, right? Yeah, I used to work for Bush. That's how I started out. I worked for Bush when I started. Yeah, I traveled with Bush all the way around the world. I mean, yeah, around the country. And then I came back in with the Obamas. But yeah, I used to like. You know, on my Facebook feed, right? I have like it's like blue and red, I mean, and it's like it's crazy the 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 feedback that I'm seeing because it's, oh, it's a lot of. Pro Trumpers, pro, you know, that's on my page. And I know personally people that I know and love that, uh, yeah, that's a different, to- that's different, a different story. <laughs> it's not about fatherhood, but yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. Whole other thing. Uh, no, yeah, no, we would definitely uh, swing back, back on that one. You mentioned your dad. So now you guys, you guys are good. You guys always been good. Yeah, always. My dad is probably the one of the closest people in my life. I'm, I grew up with mostly my dad and my brothers. Okay. Uh, my mother was around at the for for a little bit at the beginning. Sure. Uh, but for the most part, it was my dad and my three brothers, and we're you know close closer than ever. We talk almost every day. Good. Um, if I'm not talking to my dad, I'm talking to one of my brothers, and it's like we're like there's nobody closer. Right. Right. And of course, my wife and my kids. You know. Right. Right. What number are you? I'm last on the list. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, so oh, you the baby. baby. Yeah, I'm grown, but yeah. She is always the baby. I was also like a oops. My brothers are like 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> they're, all, <laughs> yeah, they're all like 12, 13, and 15 years older than me. So, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You are definitely the surprise. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, they run jokes. Because my sister was a surprise. It's 17 and 16, and then it's mm-hmm. high. And I was just like, <laughs> What's the best advice? What's the best fatherly advice your dad ever gave you? Ooh, fatherly advice? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, because by the time you had your kids, he's been a grandfather for a minute. So yeah, yeah, my brother got my brother's got a lot of kids, like eleven. It's <laughs> it's a lot. He adopted a lot of them, though. Okay. Yeah, he adopted most of them. Yeah, he adopted oh. most of them. But um, I got to say, not out this, out this seat, like, oh lord, like okay. Yeah, he would like date somebody and then like he would break up with them, but if they had a kid, he would still like be there with the kid. And that's his kid, even though he's not with him no more. So so he like took on and like, if they didn't have fathers, he would adopted them. So he, even though if he like, didn't like the mom, he would still keep, pick the kids up and spend time with them. So that's, most of his kids came that way. He was like four, I think. Okay. Normally, or five, yeah. Um, I think one of the best advice is that like, it's that like, I think one of the best advice he gave me was about like, it's you last, right? Like you eat last, and 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 he was like, you know, once the kids are here, like your kids come, and he's like, no more, no, there's no more presents for you. Like you, you get some socks and some drawers and a tie on Father's Day, and maybe the same on your birthday if they're not that close together. But for the most part, like your role and responsibility is these kids, and everybody's gonna be pouring into these kids and your wife and not you. <clears throat> Something else that I learned is that you hear a lot of these a lot of these stories about following your passions and doing what you know you should, what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And something I learned from him is like you do that like follow your passion after you after you like after you make money after you do what you got to do to support your family. If you want to you know if you're good at art you want to draw some pictures cool but you're not in a position to have hobbies if you're not providing for your family. Uh, so pr- providing for your family is, 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 is key. And then, and that's not just, you know, financially, it's, you know, it's financially, it's, you know, emotionally, it's, you know, just being, being present right. in your, in your, in your family's life. And then if you have time to, you know, go golfing, <laughs> if you have time to, you know, do something that you want to do, you know, then go ahead and do that, but make sure you make time for your family first. Sure. I like that. So, so what do What's your hobby? So then what is your second act? I do a lot of stuff. Because you got you got new babies, so you got a while. So No, I got I'm pretty active. I got I I'm really big on like I'm really big on like I I believe life is living, right? A life is for living. And I try not to get too boggled down with like the perception of others. So I'm usually like in a suit and tie from the mayor's office. But when I'm not, like I got, you know, I'm I'm hosting a, a, a rap motivational podcast or I am um, like I got to do stand up comedy. I do stand up comedy. I, like I did it at the Laugh Factory, and you know I've done it. I do it every year, and I do I do spoken word poetry. 
do is like, I try to just be as active and try new things that I, I want to try. Uh, so I'm always like, I'm, I'm doing a, a, a YouTube thing now. And I'm like, I'm just, I just like trying like in, within the mayor's office, we have a show. Like I remember my associate director, we had a meeting with Facebook coming up and he was like, why are we here? And I'm like, Oh, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to have a, like, I see, you know, the red table talk, right? He's like, yeah. And I was like, well, the red table talk is hosted by Facebook. Like Facebook actually, produces that show and right. gave Jada Pinkett that show on the platform to do it. He was like, yeah, I'm like, I want the same thing. And he was like, you want the same thing Jada Pinkett got? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, you, you just going to go upstairs and ask him for a show? I'm like, yeah, I'm asking for a show. And he was like, who's going to host it? I'm like, I'm going to host it. He's like, have you ever hosted before? And I was like, no, but neither is Jada Pinkett Smith and she's doing it. <laughs> and he was like, but she's Jada Pinkett Smith. And I was like, so what? So we went upstairs, we had the meeting at the end of the meeting, he looked at me. He's like, I can't believe you convinced some people to give you a show. <laughs> and we actually have a show with Facebook called yeah. The Manuscript, which yeah. is pretty much the same exact thing Jada Pinkett Smith got. I don't have, they didn't give me none of like the, the money resources to like push it out there. Like, you know, they got hers out. Right. But we right. actually have a show. We film it in Facebook studios. They film it. They edit it. They do everything. And okay. we bring men in there to talk about mental health uh, issues, talk about things like cheating uh, and, you know, trauma. And we have uh, experts on. So that's something that's a little bit different. That's outside of the box. But like I'm 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 shooting like I, that's that's I feel like I, life is about shooting like if, like there's so many different rims and there's so many different ways and paths to go. Like if I see something that looks like it's too big, I'm going to shoot my shot. Right. And if it don't make it, it's cool. At least I shot. And if nothing else, I got practice for the next shot. I got practice for the next shot. But it's right. like, I, you can't live life timid. Like, it's so it's, it's, and everything I do, I don't see as a hobby. I see as like, I see as growth, right? Because the comedy, doing stand-up comedy taught me a lot about not being fearful of a response, right? Because most things like spoken word is easy because I can memorize it, I can say it, and I expect the audience to be quiet, you know? Uh, But in comedy, you you get an immediate reaction, whether it's good or bad, and then what level of that is. So being able to to do that consistently uh, taught me a lot of skills that I use all the time, as well as like, you know, sales or anything else I do, I pull skills from it in, in growth. So yeah, so let's feel the thing. I'm, nah. I'm also big on like not complaining. So it's like, I got tired of reading, like, you know, black books for children are always like, you know, you you were kissed by the sun and your hair is wavy. It was, it's always so like, it's so black. And it's just like, why? And, but you go to look at the white kids' books and they just ride in dinosaurs. It's like, why, why we can't have no book riding dinosaurs? Right. So I like, I also like, I, I write stories. Yeah. So I also like, like, in addition, to, like, I write stories for my children about books that I want them to read about nothing, about black kids. And I go on Fiverr, get somebody illustrated, and I read it to my kids. And it's like, but it, there, there's stories about black kids riding dinosaurs or taking a train or doing something fun that has absolutely nothing to do with their blackness. Right. Right. You just need to see stories with them in it. They don't have to be right. So glamorous. And so, you know, 
you know, it, you know, I love my hair and my hair is this. And it's like, come on, just just let them ride a, a truck or something. No hair. And I don't want I don't want to, you know, like be negative. I know I know some of those authors like they and I don't want to be negative about what the work that they do is very important. I'm just saying that there needs to be a balance of, of having books that kids can just be have fun in and learn about and something just be, random and just be a kid like I love Breakfast Club. It's one of my favorite movies. It's literally about about four about what five five kids on a Saturday in detention. Yeah, that's it. What more? I've been to detention. I know what that's like. I don't think I've ever been on a Saturday. But 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 for me, it's like okay. It it had nothing to do with your blackness, your or your whiteness or your privilege. I mean, although each character had their their aspects, but I think the the premise of that movie to me and what I learned from it was to accept people for where they're at. So exactly. if you are the geek, that's fine. You can still be a geek and I can still be cool with you. All right, you the prom you the prom queen. That's cool. I can still be cool with you. I'm the dude hanging outside with the with, with the guitar. You know, like that just being able to accept people for who they are. And I think a lot of times, you know, we have a tendency to put too much of a focus on what it is that you have versus just who you are as a person. Exactly. That's so, deep. That was deep. That was. So I want to ask you a question. <laughs> you have this new baby. Okay. What has she taught you? Man, um, I would say uh, just for context, right? So Ava was born uh, in July um, of 2020. Uh, in 2019, my wife and I had two miscarriages, mm. uh, which were devastating. <laughs> And the first one so was so. I'm sorry. I said this is the rainbow baby. Yes, yes. So the first one was devastating, and um, I mean tears and not having nowhere, nobody to call and nowhere to go, and then having to go back to work like everything was normal. Right. Like that was like it was it was terrible. Uh, the second one, while it was terrible, I had. I had kind of just put myself in a position to like be a little bit harder um, to not feel it as much as I felt it the first time. Right. And by the time she was pregnant for the third time, I had literally shut down. Like I was, I remember during the pregnancy, like I was still there like physically and mentally, but emotionally I couldn't give myself the same you know, like, okay, what if this is, what if this is going to happen again? Mm-hmm. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't get there. So during the pregnancy, I felt like I didn't have the connection that I had with the first, with the first, you know, miscarriage or which is my first born. And when she was born, um, you probably can hear, you hear upstairs. I'm not sure you can hear mm-hmm. that. <laughs> um, okay. So when she, when she was born, it was like, a light bulb went off like, oh, she's here now. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that I learned the most was like, it was, it was like, a, a, I don't want to say love, but it was like, it, it was, it was the growth of believing the that growth that comes from believing and loving because I didn't have the connection beforehand and I had to start it after she was born. And I was still a little disconnected because, you know, the pain and the trauma of having to lose too. Um, but the thing that I learned the most was um, 
like to love again, I would say, and to trust again and, and believe again, um, whether it be my faith or, you know, just myself of blaming what I should or what I shouldn't have did the first two times. But that's the thing that I, I learned the most with my, my, my newborn. With the first one was teacher. I learned that like my son looks at me as a teacher and not by what I say, but by what I do. Mm-hmm. And he follows what I do, how I eat, how I everything. So I have to be mindful of how I speak in the house mm-hmm. and say things like, you know, please and thank you to my wife all the time to right. make sure that he treats her in a particular way. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I that's what I learned. I learned I learned it the hard way because I remember I, I walked and she was in cooking in the kitchen. And I kind of gave her a little love tap, you know, on, on the behind. And I noticed he started doing it. And I was like, OK, we got to stop that. <laughs> we got to stop that. <laughs> but uh, Daddy Daddy he was like two. He was like two. He was just like, hey, you know, but, but it was um, he was doing it to everybody. But um, but I think I, with him, I learned teacher. I learned teacher with him, but with her, it was like the again thing, like believing again, loving again, trusting again, but I learned with her. Good. Mm. I like that. that. So, since you are the host of Lyric and Latex, give me the verse that best describes you as a dad. The best what? The verse. like best verse describes you as a dad. Oh, as a dad. Yeah. That Hmm. is all the rotation in your head. Are you gonna mix it in when I say it? Cause we I mean, lyrics and lot we mix the music in afterwards. I'm not sure that's the editing. Never mind, it's fine. I'm gonna find it. Whatever it is, I'm gonna find it. Cause I'm I'm curious to see what your answer is gonna gonna be. Um, <laughs> I would. It's gonna come to you too after this. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Trick Daddy got a song. Trick Daddy got a song where he's like, I'm not your daddy. Shut up. No, no, I'm joking. That's not it. 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 I would say um the song that comes to my mind is Nas got um who Tupac got a good one too. Now I would say Nas got one where he says, uh, I'm half man, half amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you have to be as a dad. You have to be half man, half amazing, because no matter who you are as an individual, these kids see you as heroes. They see you as giants and you have to show up as amazing, regardless of if you feel tired, if you feel worn down, if you feel exhausted, you have to be amazing. And in his eyes, that's who I am. And in my eyes, I'm, I'm a man, but in his eyes, I'm amazing. In her eyes, I'm amazing. So I would say the Nas line where he says, I'm half man, half amazing, uh, is the, the the lyric that stands out to me. Hmm. That's deep, Sam. Nah, nah. Definitely. That's warm. I had to give y'all a sound bite or something. I know y'all have. Clearly, clearly. Like, yeah. All right, Fleming, which one is you? Oh, What's your lyric? You know what? I can't even really answer that question right now. I, I also to, do this. Like I also do lyrics all the time. So like I got lyrics in my head at the forefront. Right. So, you know, you know so, give give the man some time to think. <laughs> no, like, like, should have known this was coming. He knew you were coming on, so he should have known this was coming. <laughs> Honestly, you know what? I, I think that for me, all right, I'm effed up, homie. You effed up, but if God got us, then we gonna be all right. You know, yeah, all right. 
that is definitely um, given everything as far as going through a custody case, going through my dad passing, going through a friend of mine committing suicide. Like, you know, my son has been around for literally all of that. And mm-hmm. so, but but much to your to, to Jason's point, like you still gotta walk in here and be dad. There have been moments where like, yep, I'm gonna cry in this car, I'm gonna say this prayer because when I get here, God got us, we're gonna be all right. And that's that that is literally by, by far. Most men cry in the car. I learned that. Most men cry in the car. Yeah. Um, yeah. We did a we did an episode on the manuscript and we had Keith Battle. You know Keith Battle? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, he yeah, I, I recommend him coming on, on on this thing, but he came on and talked about um how tears were healthy and how they, they literally remove toxins from your body mm. and, uh, and talk about how men cry in the car uh, and they're usually hot tears. Um, and then they wipe their face off and go in the house like ain't nothing wrong. Yeah. Um, and how he also talked about how, well, something I learned in the miscarriages, right? I learned that like, I think some bad advice that I've gotten to not let my, that to be strong for my wife. Like to be strong for her was terrible advice because she didn't need strength. She needed she needed me. She needed vulnerability. She needed me to be to be there with her. Yeah. So me crying in the car, wiping my tears off, and coming to the house like, hey, what's going on? Everything's cool. She right. felt alone in that grief. Mm-hmm. I had to learn. I'm sorry. I had to unlearn that 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 was acceptable and be able to be in that space with her so right. she can see that it's normal to feel like this and you're not here alone I'm feeling it too which gave her you know you know it just it, it which opened up some things for her and myself to get closer together while we were going through that you right. know two times yeah that's that that's that emotional intimacy yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually had a question. What's the question that I had? I actually had one for y'all. Um, it's interesting when guests come on and have a question. I love it. Like, okay, what's, what's, what's yeah, because I, I like the the dialogue. I don't really yeah. like to just oh, answer yeah, a bunch yeah, of questions. No, and that's what we love. We love the dialogue. So, what's the what's the the father the fathership podcast? Right? What's the what's the goal? What's the purpose? Like, what's the what is what's the angle with this? The angle was honestly to initially just talk about fatherhood and what that really looked like in 20 today. I always like to look at, because again, marketing hat, right? So looking at who it is that's not being addressed. And one of the things that I felt was, was like on, on Instagram, you definitely see everyone like, you know, the, the dads and the, the wife, the family, you know, that aspect. It's great. What about those of us that don't have that, but are still dads? Yeah. And the things in which it is that we're we're discussing, or that we discuss with, with amongst ourselves, or that we discuss between us and our therapists, or us and our mom, or us and our auntie. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, so that was really um, the pull from from that. As time went on, and we were doing all of the episodes, um, ended up having a conversation with a friend of mine where she is a, a parent, um, and we were talking about you know, our kids basically, and just really communication as the other parent, like, you know, did she encourage like her daughter to pick up the phone and call her dad? Yeah. She was like, no, why? And I'm like, I grew up between two parents household and my mother would always ask me, maybe call your dad, make sure you call your dad. 
regardless of what goes on with them, yeah. I was always raised to respect both my parents. So then, so then this shift kind of, this shift, not, not even kind of, this shift happened. And so we started focusing also on co-parenting and what that looked like um, and having those. What it should look Right, right. What it looks like and how, and really how it should, should be. So when you were talking earlier to that whole balance aspect, that, that is something that is definitely a constant piece of the conversation when we start talking about from a co-parenting because even even for those of you that that, that are are married and the kids in the house is still a form of co-parenting because you have how it is that you were raised your wife has how she was raised exactly. you still come together to sit here and figure out what's in the best interest of your children as well as being able to maintain your your marriage and so forth and so on. So with us, it's, it's literally like, you know, dealing with the death of that expectation of what you thought this relationship was going to be. And for some, just going to put it out there, you know, folks can go ahead and hit me up in my DM if you want to. But at the same time, those some of those women who chose to have kids because they expected the relationship to grow as a result of, having that, hence the term, the old keep a nigga baby. So, <laughs> um, I've never heard of that. That's funny. Much like he, like, I enjoy being a dad. Love it. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Like my, my, my greatest accomplishment. And I love my son like crazy to sit down and have a conversation with other dads and really talk about it. You know, the ups, the downs, the trials, trials and trips, you know, the, the whole nine. Yeah. Um, and even, even, even in, in this, like wishing, wishing that I could sit here and pick up the phone and have my dad on the, on a show. Unfortunately, yeah. I can't because he was going on. But um, but I would have loved for it to to have that opportunity for us to be able to sit down and just have this type of conversation um, and, and go from there. Oh, that's deep. Yeah. That's heavy. Man, that's yeah. heavy, man. So so that's 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 it, man. That's that that is it. So I I reach out to fathers, you know, we trying to the next the next the next hump is to try to get Buster Rhymes on it because you know he had the the song off his off his more recent album, um, the best uh, the best I can, which uh-huh. was which was a dope track, um, and we actually spoke about it on one of the episodes. But I just I love that track because it was nice to have someone finally do something to where acknowledgement. Simply acknowledging the the part in which it is that you played to the to, to the to the situation that that was that was that was key right there. So to have a female rapper come on and rap about all of the the issues and whatnot that she gave him, and all he was trying to do was just be a good dad. Yeah. It's like you know, and it's like it's like wow, like okay, finally somebody it admits it, and I would just really wish that a lot of women would admit it because yeah, there's also a lot of there's there's a lot of rappers that talk about. It. I mean, I mean, I know Ja Rule has a song about fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that off his first um, album, his first. Yeah, first album. I think it's, I think it's his first album. Um, yeah, this is his first album. Daddy's Little Baby, yeah. Yep. Uh, and then Exhibit on mm-hmm. the, his album Restless. Him and uh, um, DJ Quick have a song about fatherhood on there. But he's actually, um, his first, on his very, very first one, he has a track uh, on their foundation, which is, that would have been, that would have been my other lyric on that. And because it was uh, yeah. for the foundation, beginning of a new generation, 
I remember I remember a hospital hallway patient. I was anxious as fuck to see your face shine, only to find that yours looked like mine. So it's like I'm living twice at the exact same time. In this life, you can't press stop or, or press for one. Love that track. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, one thing I wanted to share is that like one of the things, the initiatives that we have is our paternal workshops, right? And it's centered around uh, men that don't have legal support when looking for either custody or just visitation. So we partnered with the DC affordable law firm and are providing um, no cost, uh, no cost opportunities to talk to attorneys right there on the spot about your specific case. So that's something that we've done every single month. It's cool. Right. And it's like, you know, I mean, this is, we, 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 we built it prior to COVID. So it was supposed to be like nine of the law firms. And then we had like MPD there to talk about like when drop the best practices would drop off and picking up your kids. So you don't go, you don't end up in, in jail, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of dudes do because they let their emotions get to them. Right. Um, we also had, we work, we partnered with the attorney general's office. They actually have a program there in DC where they actually will place men at jobs, like not like a, a training but it's mm-hmm. like if you are back, you, if you aren't, aren't able to pay child support, you have back child support payments, they will literally place you into a job. That's an opportunity there. So that was we were partnering with all these organizations. And then another organization, Bright Beginnings in D.C., who was actually helping men that were struggling with filling out some of the cumbersome paperwork within custody and visitation and court court documents. Right. So it was like, hey, bring it here. We'll actually help you fill this thing out the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then talking to attorneys. So it was, it was, it was more, more cumbersome when we first were coming up with it, but when we moved it to virtual, a lot of that stuff fell off because it just didn't make sense to do it virtually without, without the the men being able, cause it was like an open forum. And we, yeah. I, mean, I think some of the guys had some concerns about like, what if people were to pop in and listen to their stories? They didn't want everybody in their business. So right. it, it, it was just to the law. It was just talking to the, to the lawyers and more general questions. It's, DC Affordable uh, Law Firm does it consistently. Uh, Gabby, who's the CEO over there, is adamant about helping dads out. Mm-hmm. And uh, this the staff is mostly women. Uh, and they are a champion for healthy families, and which mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, is making right. sure that the dads are included. I mean, and if you look at, like, just the laws, just in general around fatherhood, like, the only person that's not protected legally is a, is a, is a biological father, right? When it comes to like leave, right? Because legally as a mom, you get, I forget the number of months, but federally, but you get your, you, you legally get time off from work. If you adopt a parent, I mean, if you adopt a child and you're a parent that adopted a child, uh, you legally get time off. Mm -hmm. Uh, they can't prevent you from that, but fathers, biological fathers don't get it. So we got to do some work around that uh, because it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense because you can be a non-biological father and get it. But if you are a biological father, you don't get it. Like that doesn't make any sense. So, uh, doing work around men, uh, within the city and then the work that I'm doing, whether it's, you know, lyrics and lattes or, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever else I'm doing, it's just, you know, ensuring that we, you know, we encourage people, we, we, we inspire people and we get people to take dreams and their ideas to to start that's my like i feel like if it was anything else that's what lyrics and lattes is like if you're if you're thinking about doing something if you've been pondering an idea you want to start a podcast you want to do it like it's time to start like 
Right. Let's take the excuses away and right. let's let Black Thought drop some punchlines about how you need to actually <laughs> stand together. Like, you know, just getting getting folks that, you know, are timid, just getting them to start encouraging folks to, to, to do what they're going to do. Whatever you say you were going to do to actually do it. Um, so we're now at the end, in, close to the end of the show. And is there any advice, last last statements, tidbits? you would like to share with our listener? Yeah. Top of the head, right? So, okay. Um, Ooh, oh. You're trying to get profound. Look at it. <laughs> I, I see the thought <laughs> all on that forehead. Woo! It's coming up. We did... Um, <sighs> Um, we did a we did an episode. Um, actually, we've done thirty two episodes, thirty three episodes on Thursday, and the one episode that I listen to the most is actually a mini episode, and, and it's actually me. It's not Trevor, so it's me motivating myself. One of the things that it was on it was a Lil Wayne line, and he says, "No, uh, he said, uh, no, I'm a champion. Where's my effing Rocky theme?" Dang, rest in peace, Apollo Creed. I'm a monster and every day is Halloween. And I I think of that line about like, like being a monster and every day is Halloween. Like every single day, every single day, like stop waiting on a on a on a, a, a promotion or some level of authority to 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 take to, to do what it is you need to do in life. Mm-hmm. And when I think about my children. It's like it's every single day I'm on every single day I need to show up and be that monster. And it's Halloween because they don't understand that, you know, I may be stressed out. They don't understand that I got all these projects moving in at the same time. They don't understand it's 950 and I'm recording a podcast. But it's 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 the thing that I want to leave is just showing up every single day as if it is your day. Like today is your day. Nobody gives you license to be you. Nobody gives you license to be whatever it is that you feel like you need to be. You need to claim it for yourself and and be that. And for some people, that might be because, I mean, I'm talking about in, in the fatherhood space, but being a good father might be being a good manager at work, maybe might be in, in understanding that like whatever you're dealing with at work to not bring that home with you. Mm-hmm. Like I see that a lot with a lot of brothers, right? Like a lot of men that are like, you don't own that company. You right. just work there. Right. <laughs> you just work there. Right. And if you were to die, they would replace you tomorrow. Yep. And if they found a way, if they, if they found a way to, to, to replace you with the machine, they would do it in a heartbeat. But yep. you're taking all of this energy and stuff home with you. You getting all upset because somebody doing your job for you. You got to show up differently for, you know, for, for work. You got to show up differently for your kids. And I also see the other, uh, the other side of things where I see a man that is not providing for their family. Right. Because let's say they, they don't have a job right now mm-hmm. and they feel like because they're not a provider that that's all they have to bring to the table. If your belief system is channeled around, I am a dad, I am a man, and my role is this, is being a provider, and then something happens, you get laid off, COVID hits, and you can't provide anymore, then who are you? Right. Right. And you see a lot of men that, you know, are now broken and that are now messed up inside that are now having mental issues and being angry around the household because they don't feel full on the inside because they feel like they're not really being a man because they define man as being a provider. Right. And it's not. And, and, you know, and it's it's funny to say that because 
not only do they do, but society does as well. Society does. Even your 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 partner might, you know. Exactly. So 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 you got it on 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 three folds. The 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 crucifixion that you're giving yourself, the the feeling that that you're allowing for for society to place on you, and then the person that you supposed to be coming home to is is exactly. Getting, and then, and then if you watch daytime yeah. TV, daytime TV just knows you're a loser. They be right. like, "Are you sitting on the couch? Get up." Get up! I could do it. You could do it too. Like they just knows you're a loser. Like so, it's like, it's like man, daytime TV. It's my day off. Like, like, I don't need to go to community college. I'm okay. Right. So it's like it's it's so it's from both sides. The man that that is maybe working, the father that may be working, the father that may not be working. That to understand that the the fact that you have a pulse shows that you have a purpose. Hello. The fact that you have breath shows that you have worth that yeah. you don't need anything external to change or to validate something that is internal. So right. doing that internal work is so important, whether that's therapy, whether that's meditation, but it's something. It's right. not waiting for somebody else to validate you with the paycheck or telling you that, oh, because you're, you know, you get this paid this much, then you're worth this much or, or good job, pat on the back. You got some award or some certificate or some thing that trophy that somebody made up is not, even, none of that is important. None right. of these awards, none of these acts is important. I've gotten some awards. I actually have, I actually gotten, not to plug myself, but I've actually gotten the key to the city from the mayor right. and it's sitting on the floor. Behind me on the floor because it, it has no value. It's a piece of wood with a key on it. What am I going to do with it? Right. I got a picture of Ice Cube and Tupac behind me right. on the wall. Right. It's not even in a frame. <laughs> and, and the key to the city is on the floor because when I think about what inspires me and what makes me move forward and what's internal, that would be my my, my final words of encouragement to, okay. my, to my, my my fathers out here. I know we ended, but real quick, I, no. I, was, I, I was I was okay. We can extend this. Go I, ahead. I was I was homeless. <laughs> twice in my life. Okay. And uh, in the eighth grade was once I was a child and I kind of just, I feel like God protected me. God, I was just kind of, I slept outside a couple of times and I was just, you know, just making sure, you know, I just had to move around differently. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was also homeless again after college and mm-hmm. I, and I, and people, so people know, right. People that know me know that I was homeless mm-hmm. uh, and, as, a, as a child and as an adult. And sure. they know that I was home, that I worked at the white house, mm-hmm. but they don't realize that, that, that there was an overlap that I was actually homeless with nowhere to go while I worked at the White House. Wow. For for a period. I remember one time I was going out for a trip and I think it was my fault. Like I should have said something. I was just, you know, man pride. I don't want to say nothing. uh, But I was, I was in my car outside of a target. I had all my stuff in the back seat with nowhere to go. And I'm on the phone. I get a phone. I get a phone call and it's, you know, the, uh, it's the white house. I'm on a conference call with like, you know, all of these big wigs and I'm sitting in my car with a lot of these awards that are on the floor now. And I realized at that very point that it meant nothing, Right. that it meant nothing. I didn't have any food to eat. And I got all these awards and plaques and I got letters from Joe Biden and Michelle Obama and Barack Obama and pictures with, you know, different countries with Air Force One and all this stuff. And it's just pieces of paper. And it's like framed glass and it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. So like now that I have things and I'm, I have my White House basketball, you see my White House basketball. I, 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 I. <laughs> but like, 
in my M&Ms. I can yeah. M&Ms right? <laughs> uh, but like, but like the, the, the big awards and accolades, like, like I put them on the floor because they remind me of how worthless this stuff really is. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, a, it's on the floor for a reason because right. I, I walk past it and I see it there and it reminds me not to get caught up in my own accomplishments. It reminds me not to get caught up in my own resume and what people say about me and the things that I've done in life. Like none of that matters. None of it matters. So it's like the things that matter is that are my children where they need to be? Am I being, you know, a good father? And and one of the best ways to be a good father for me, just for me, is to be a good husband. Right. Mm -hmm. Ensuring that I'm there for my wife is so important, even though I'm not there because it's bath time. It's so valuable that like I I I and I and, I, and, I, and when, I, when I'm in the office, I have them. I have my awards and stuff. And I put them, I put them on the floor. I put them on the floor because I don't ever want to get too big headed about what I've done and what I've accomplished. Like they're they're on the floor for a reason. And then I put my uh, I put my accomplishments usually behind me. Those awards are behind me, and then the things that I want to go next with uh, are in front of me. And I put those things in front of me. I have awards up that I don't, I haven't even won yet. I have like best podcast, like top 100 award that I made myself that I put up as like a reminder, like this is where I'm going. Right. I'm getting the award because me awarding myself that up for me getting there is, is, and as soon as I get it, I'm putting it on the floor behind me because it's not important. Right. It's just me, the, 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 the desire, the drive to want to get to it is more important than actually getting to it, which I use the Drake line for. Thank you for listening to our show. Make sure you visit our website at fathershould.org. Follow us at Fathershould Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Fathershould underscore PC on Twitter. 